thank you very much. First of all, let, let's, let's, let me thank the house for uh, the opportunity to come up and speak to you, um, share a little bit about ourselves. Um, who are we? Uh, I'm Ben Salter. This is my gorgeous and beautiful bride, Angela. Aww. For you guys, that glamour, what's it called? The thing on uh, for uh, Valentine's Day? Guys, check into that, you single guys. <laughs> this is how it's done. You marry up, folks. You marry up. Um, we have three beautiful children. Um, They're no longer children. They're in the process of adulting. Uh, one is, uh, you know, working on his own in Denver now out of school. The other two are trying to figure out what they're going to do at the end of their senior year now in Waco. And so uh, we're empty nesters, and we're loving that. We're rekindling that relationship, uh, moving on to the next uh, phase and chapter of our lives. So uh, many of you we know, I mean, there, there are faces in this room that go back 10, 15, 18 years. We've been in San Antonio for 18 years, and some of the first people we met when we walked through the doors of the first church we attended were, were Brent and Kirsten Fessler and their beautiful children yes. that were as tiny as ours at the yeah. time, and now they're, they're grown and in the same phase of life. And uh, the Lunas, of course, go back uh, a long time. So we're, we're amazed to see the collection of people that are coming yeah. together in this moment, in this time here in Bernie for this purpose, and we want to see and live and feel and just dive into that purpose. So um, all that being said, let's dive into, let's pray and get okay. into what we want to talk about here. So Father God, we just come before you. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Father God, you, are, you just are beautiful, and we are so grateful that we get to enter your presence we just make it known that we are not trusting or depending in our own ability, but we're trusting in you. Speak through us today, Lord. May it come for you, for your purpose, for the people here. May we get out of the way, Lord, and may your word come forth. May it change lives, Lord God. Lord, if there is just an ounce of something from our life that anybody could have a glimpse of, may it be of you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when we were thinking about what is it that we want to try to accomplish, you know, with this, do we have a, a message to preach or to teach or do we want to give a testimony? Do we want to give you a glimpse into some insight into our lives? And we settled on sort of this test a message. Test a message? <laughs> it's a test a message. <laughs> um, it, it, it is, it's, it's a testimony in where God has led us in our walk, in our life, and how we approach that. And it's also a message, again, to us, because this is something that we walked through, um, gosh, 15 years ago, probably, and has, has shaped a lot of who we are and what we do, and we need to hear it again and again and again. So we're going to preach to ourselves in that, yes. if that's okay with you, and we're going to walk through it. We're going to go through a lot of scripture today. I'm hoping to not exceed our welcome and, therefore, our time uh, that we have allotted. Um, we've got a lot of things that the Spirit could uh, reveal for us, but we want to we jump into some scripture, so I'm going to try to have it up here on the screen for you to follow. Um, you may just want to write it down and then follow along with us, and then we can, you know, you go back and you can and unpack it uh, at home if you want to go back through. So, um, so how do we start? So looking back, I didn't grow up in a Christian household, neither did Angela. We are... We were, we were baby Christians. Uh, w both of us had a salvation experience um, early in our lives. For me, it was 
uh, probably about seven or eight years old. Uh, but again, I didn't grow up in a Christian household. It was just a moment in time where I had an opportunity to be at a church, found myself as a very shy, uh, you know, child at the altar, you know, with a brand new Bible in my hand with John 3.16 highlighted. And it was a wonderful and beautiful experience, but I didn't have anything to help me walk that out. Yeah. It was 20 years before I started to walk that out. Yeah. Your, your story was similar in a bomb shelter? Yes, in, in Switzerland. In Switzerland? Mm-hmm. You know? My dad was a colonel in the Air Force, so we traveled a lot. Yeah, so. But, yeah, but it was, it was definitely, um, you know, my family believes that religion is something that's private. And so it's something we didn't talk about. And I never had any discipleship. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you could read the word. I didn't know that that was a thing. So, um, yeah. So we, we were baby Christians. We decided in, you know, at the point where we wanted to actually, um, you know, solidify our relationship uh, in a marriage covenant that we needed to actually start understanding some things. We ran into a neighbor in our neighborhood, and this little lady, I don't know that we ever saw her again after that. You know, it was one of these block party type scenarios. And you know, we're, we're dual income, no kids, professionals, traveling all over the world, or mostly in the U.S., but all over the world. Yeah. Um, you know, Monday to Friday, seeing lots of things, doing lots of things, running a rat race, blah, 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 highly successful, 100% empty. Yes. And, Very you know, 100% empty. don't know what it is we're doing. They say when you grow up, you can be anything you want to be when you're, grow- when you're grown. <laughs> well, <laughs> Here we are. Is this what we, we expected? Uh, this doesn't seem to be logical. So we ran into this poor lady, and, and Angela's pouring her heart out to her and saying basically, ah, blah, 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 you know, this, 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 this. You know, my parents lived here. They, they married me off, and they moved to Dallas. And I just wish I had an uh, owner's manual for life, for adulting. And this little lady looks her dead in the eye and says, of course you do, honey. It's called the Bible. Yeah, it was like a throwdown challenge. He's like, you should pick it up and, and read it sometime. And I was like, and we were like, the whoa, Bible, you can read that. Whoa. <laughs> Isn't that for priests, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so we realized at that moment that obviously we were very baby Christians. Joined a Bible study, uh, thoroughly embarrassed. They're throwing out names: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and I'm like, who, like who oh are these gosh, people? Genesis, 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 where is Genesis? You know, trying to figure out how to, you know, we're successful people from the world's eyes. I knew right? Noah, we're Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark, we I did know Noah, Noah. We know, and we knew Moses in the Red Sea, right? Right, right? That was our perspective. And so we were very much baby Christians, and we were very baby in our understanding of things. And so we, we knew we had to get involved in this. We need, needed to start diving in. So we did. We started diving in. So I like to look at things from more of a journalistic perspective, a who, what, when, where, how, why kind of thing. And so I looked at what this, this situation, all right, so I've received Christ. So who? Who did I receive in that? Well, I received Christ the Messiah, right? What did I receive? Well, at the time, I thought salvation, right? I knew John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believeth in him shall not perish, have everlasting life. I got that part, everlasting life, salvation. The when, they told me it was instant, the moment I prayer, prayed. And so I knew that that actually occurred probably back when I was that seven-year-old child. Um, where did it occur? Well, it occurred in my heart, if you believe in your heart. 
confess with your mouth. This is a, a heart condition that has changed. I've been renewed. My, my spirit has been revived. I'm no longer a dead man. How? Well, if you make him Lord of your life. That same scripture tells you if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and make him Lord of your life. So I knew the how. But the kicker was the why. Why? 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 Was it to keep me out of hell? Was it my get-out-of-hell-free card, as we've <laughs> said? You know, I put it in my back pocket, and I'm good to go, and now I just continue to live on. You know, was it somehow going to make my life better? Was it going to make me richer? Wealth and fame and fortune? Um, I don't know. Was it God felt like he, he sort of messed up? He should have chosen better than Adam and Eve, and so he just wanted to make it right? <laughs> you know, I goofed up the first time. I'll try again. I'll send my, hey, why? Obviously, why, 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 why? So I needed to see, wh wh what are the bylaws here? What's my responsibility in this? I need to understand this. I come from a generation. I'm a Gen Xer, right? And, you know, we were all about, you know, you work hard, you achieve. There's no such thing as a free lunch. There's not something for nothing. You, you've got to work for things. There's, there's no participation trophies. Trophies are for winners, right? You've got to earn this thing. You've got to win. You've got to win. Yeah, there is first place and second place is no such thing. That's first loser, <laughs> right? You know, this is the kind of thing that we taught and we understand, and that was our worldly perspective of things. So I'm like, I don't understand this unmerited favor. Why would God do this? Why would he do this? I better understand this. And I understood the what, the salvation. I understood that to be something of grace. I had at least read that scripture. I understood that you were saved by grace alone and not by works, lest any man be able to boast. So I knew, I already knew, but I knew from scripture that it wasn't anything I did to merit this. I didn't understand why. I needed to dig in why why, why? I needed to see the bylaws for our new Christian club. <laughs> I need, what am I supposed to do here? What's my role in all of this? If he says that, you know, you weren't saved by your works, then what am I to do? Am I to sit here and ride this out? Clearly not. So we started to dig into it, and I did it, John. I let it uh, actually lock up. And so I'm reconnecting. Oh, there we go. There we go. Connecting? Um, you keep going, he'll help. How's that? Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's not forwarding anymore. All right, so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 6 1. 2 so Corinthians 6 1. I'll read it off of this. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Receive the grace of God in vain? What do you mean? Now, you just told me that I was saved by grace and grace alone, but now you're telling me I have an opportunity to waste that grace in some way or shape or form. Okay. How is that possible? That is terrifying. That tells me that I need to dig a little bit deeper. And so within the same chapter, within 2 Corinthians, as we move forward in 2 Corinthians, we get to a point where it says, or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. 
oh, wow, we're the temple of a living God. Okay, this is something a little bit more than just I got a get-out-of-prison card. I'm now being told that I'm a temple of the living God. And I'm like, really? Is that really true? And so I look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says, do you not know that you're a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? I'm like, well, I guess I didn't, but I do now. Thank you, Scripture, for highlighting that for me. So coming back to 2 Corinthians, so we are a temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out of their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. I'm like, well, this is all good. Uh, there's some stuff in here I don't understand. I need to understand more about this. I need to unpack a bit of here. But one thing that catches my eye is it says, just as God said. And so not knowing and not spending a lot of time reading my Bible and spending time in discipleship with others, um, I didn't understand at the time. And so I've had a number of great people walk alongside me and they said, you know, when you see something like this, it's probably Paul is saying this in one of his letters, and he's referring to something that's already been said to the Israelites. So chances are this is something that already exists in the Bible. God has said this somewhere else in here, and I need to go and find that because it's going to give me some clues as to what is going on here. So we see in this case a New Testament representation of something that's likely sitting in the Old Testament. So, hmm. Maybe that Old Testament's not, you know, just a historical record of all the crazy things that happened to the Israelites that I don't have to worry about, especially that stupid law thing. That sounds awful. So I want to spend all my time in the New Testament. Eh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah. Maybe I need to do a little better job. So Paul, we know, wrote um, Corinthians, right, to the church of Corinth. He wrote them a letter, right? And he wrote this while he was in Ephesus. And he really was trying to address the pressures that they felt to adapt to the current world. So um, they had really low standards, but they understood the language that he was talking, when you think about it, like a temple. They knew, I mean, I mean they knew what that was, right? They knew what it took to build a temple. So um, our Old Testament scripture, even the Jews, they knew the scriptures. So we have to go back to the Old Testament to kind of understand this a little better, right? Well, at least I did because I didn't grow up in the church and I had no idea what they were talking about. So um, St. Augustine is some really famous dude that my <laughs> kids would probably tell you exactly who he was because of their education. But he's a, a really famous dude and he said that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, right? really cool. So we got to go back and look at that Old Testament. So we all know that Abraham, right? We all, we know the story of Abraham. He came, well, maybe some of you do, some of you don't, I didn't. But Abraham, he gets called out of the land of Ur, right? And he comes to this new land. And then you get, you have his son Jacob, and then you have Isaac. And then after Isaac, you've got Joseph and, you know, the great colored coat that he has. And he gets thrown into a well and he gets sold off into the to Egypt, and then you hear the whole story about Egypt, and okay, I just skipped through a bunch of the Bible, but the point is, when they get to Egypt, eventually they end up in slavery, okay? So, a pop quiz. 
because I teach teachers. So here's my pop, pop quiz. quiz, okay? So what reason did Moses give Pharaoh when he said, he asked the people to let him go? What reason? Okay, not you. Who has it? <laughs> Tell me. I don't know the Lord. Okay, well, that's actually a pretty good answer. That's mm -hmm. pretty good. So what I thought the answer was is to go to the promised land. That's what I thought that, you know, that mm -hmm. get me out of Egypt because I'm in bondage and I'm working as a slave and I really want to go to the promised land, right? But that's not exactly it. So you guys are all really smart. Why are we here? You got, you got this. Okay, so... So why don't we look at that particular reason and dive into that? So let's go more. back in time. Let's, let's talk about now we're at a point where Moses is walking around. He's basically out for a hill country walk. Um, <laughs> he, he hears a voice from a burning bush, and, a bush and, and it says, come on over, Moses. You know, don't take your shoes off. Uh, this place is holy. And he reveals himself to him, and he asks him who he is, and he, and he says, basically, I am. Right? This is where he introduces, for the first time, we see God introducing himself as I am, or Yahweh. Right? right? This is who I am. Um, this is the very first time we see that. And so, you know, as he's conversing with, with, uh, with Moses, he says to them, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people, or the affliction of my people, um, who are in Egypt and have heard their outcry because of their taskmasters, for I'm aware of their sufferings. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and bring them up from a land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, mm. the yes. he Hevites, the uh, Jebusites, and all the otherites that are living there in the land. And it would be easy for us to stop with, sorry, I'd, I'd have to keep, I have in my notes, the, the, the scriptures are, are, the verses are together, and I've got to remember to forward them so that you're, you're able to follow that. But it would be easy to stop here and answer that question erroneously, or maybe more importantly, incompletely, by saying to the promised land. Because right. he's reminding them here of the promise that God has already made. He's made this promise already to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, you'll be a father of many nations, and I will promise you this land uh, of Canaan. And so, if we look in, then in verse 18, God continues to instruct Moses. He says, the elders, they, the elders, will pay heed to what you say. So, when you go into Egypt, they're going to listen to what you say. And you, with those elders, will come to the king of Egypt and will say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So, now... Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to our Lord, our God. So he's starting to add a little more context around his purposes for delivering the Egyptians or the Israelites from the Egyptians. Okay, 2.8. So let's fast forward a bit in the story. So Moses has already gone into, uh, into Egypt. He's met with the elders. Uh, for some reason, the elders are not with him, but he and Aaron go and they speak to Pharaoh and they give Pharaoh the message. But Pharaoh doesn't want to hear it. And what's the first thing he does? He's like, they're just trying to get out of work. We'll see how that goes. I'm going to take away their straw. I'm not going to give them straw anymore, but I'm going to keep the brick quota exactly the same as it was. So I'm going to make them do more or do the same with less material. 
And so the affliction that that brought upon the Israelites was pretty strong, right? They were pretty unhappy with the fact that Moses shows up, says God's ready to deliver them, and then the first thing that happens is it's worse. Makes more work, right? It's more work. More brick, no straw. <laughs> more bricks, no straw. Right. Absolutely. So let's look at Exodus 2. So Moses at this point, he goes to speak with, Pharaoh, with, uh, with God again, and God spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord, and I've appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. Okay, let's pause here for a second. So when he appeared to those three individuals earlier, and he was appearing to them at the time under his name, God Almighty. Right? They had a perspective and a, vi and a knowledge of him at that point in time as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, also related to as, sorry, but by my name, Lord, or you could substitute here Yahweh, which is the way he introduced himself to him at the burning bush, he says, I didn't make myself known to them. We're doing a new work here. God is doing a new work in the Old Testament as he's meeting with Moses and in this situation. He's introducing himself in his name, I am. The completely, who am I? I am. So he's clearly setting them up. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as strangers. Furthermore, I've heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them high in bondage, and I've remembered my covenant. covenant. Sorry. Yeah, I'm trying to get to... Remember my covenant? Okay. Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm with great judgments. And then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord of your God who brought you out from underneath the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. So we're starting to see some of this verbiage showing up in the Old Testament that I showed you in that initial verse in 2 Corinthians that I didn't understand. So here we are looking back at this whole situation with Moses, the Egyptians, the Israelites, God's plan for deliverance and all of that, and we're starting to see these phrases and these terms show up in this promise. This is starting to get good. But then we see that Moses, right, said to the sons of Israel, so this is in 9, but they did not listen to Moses, right? And it says, on the account that their despondency and their cruel bondage. So now I want you to think about that and apply <laughs> it to your life. The New Living Testament says that they had become too discouraged by the brutality of slavery and they refused to listen. Now, how many times do we refuse to listen? And, and how many times do we do the same thing? So we get stuck on our current situation, and we can't see past the pain of that bondage and, and to the promise, and even more importantly, the promiser. So uh, worship here is an end Oh, wait, sorry. I'm sorry. But God comes through on his promises, right? He never fails. 
His promises are yes and amen. He comes through on his promises. He sends Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh, and then, you know, the whole thing, he warns them, and they get the, all the plagues, the blood, the frogs, the boils, the, you know the story, right? And so in Exodus seven sixteen, he announces to them, the Lord God of heaven has sent you to tell me, let my people go, and as you said, Rebecca, why? To worship. You got it. She had the answer in the wilderness. But we see this again and again and again. You see it in um, 8.1. You'll see it again in 8.20, 9.1, 9.13, 10.3. It's basically, let my people go so they may worship me. Now, have you ever got to a place in your worship where you were lost? You didn't care who was around you. It didn't matter, right? You really just, you didn't care. What you were there is that worship is an intimate place. It's an intimate term. And the Israelites and the elders thought that they wanted to bring them to a place to get blessed. How many of us feel that God and we were saved because we want to get blessed? And we forget that peace that God wanted to bring him to their self. He wanted to bring him to him. We're not just here, saved by grace, to get blessed. Man. So we, we could drop the mic at that point, yeah. you know, with, with, with uh, you know, the worship. I mean, it, it, it starts to tie in. How do you worship something? What does worship mean? We just sang about it. I, I, I wish I had taken all of the, the, the verses from the amazing praise and worship we just did I could yeah. take all of the verses from all of those songs and I could play, and we could play bingo with these scriptures and you know people somebody would win in probably about 30 seconds right because it's amazing how the Holy Spirit orchestrates that we sing about that these yeah. these these songs are singing about that worship I, I want to be in worship I could go on and on that's a whole nother message Brent we need to do that another time <laughs> um, so Bingo. <laughs> bingo. Bingo. We need to do that. Oh, my gosh. So how? Let, let's unpack worship for just a second. Just right, a second. Right, right. We talk about it in Thanksgiving. We talk about thanks, praise, and worship. Yeah, it's a progression. Yeah. We talk about it in a progression sometimes. You can thank somebody for doing something for you out of, out of a, a gratitude. You know, I thank Dave Kaplan for not throwing a, uh, you know, a tomato at me uh, when I started. And I thanked him for giving me a water bottle. Mm -hmm. But does that mean I know anything about Dave Kaplan? I do, but does that mean I know? I can thank someone that I don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. I can thank them for something that they have done for me. And I should. I should have a heart of gratitude. And I should readily thank those that do things for me. I can praise him because I see him consistently do that. I see him take care of the people that come in and out of here, but does that mean I know him right. or know anything really more about him? I can praise him for do that. I can praise somebody for shooting a basketball well, right? I can praise him for the things that they do and the promises they make, but can I worship him without knowing anything about him? Mm. How do you enter into worship of something that you don't understand and you don't know? Yeah. You can only worship someone that introduces himself to you as I am. Yeah. Right? I am. Okay, sorry, that was okay. not in my notes. <laughs> <sighs> Back uh -huh. on track. 
on track. Praise God. Thank you. Let's take a look at this two months later. So they've been wandering around. They've already seen how God is helping them through this process of being extracted out of Egypt. You know, they've come across the Red Sea. They've reached dry ground. They've seen Pharaoh's army swallowed up. They've seen the pursuit end. They have seen themselves get thirsty and ask for it and water be given. They've seen themselves get hungry and ask for it and manna be given. They've seen a cloud by day to keep them cool, and they've seen the fire by night to guide them and to keep beasts and other things away from them. What they haven't seen that they should be able to see is that they're not, they're not taking the most direct route. If you look at it geographically, the most direct route actually would have taken them through a bunch of places that would have brought challenges to them that they could not handle. Right? Another side, not in my notes, but I got to go here. <laughs> How often does God take us in an indirect route because we can't handle the things that are in our path? Yeah. Our faith is not strong enough yet. He knows that if he had taken him straight into a battle with someone that occupied that land and was contrary to God's nation, that they would have turned their tail and ran back to Egypt as fast as they possibly could. So in his mercy and his grace, he took them on all their own. So they finally have been wandering around for two months. They've gotten themselves to a point where they're at basically the foot of um, the wilderness, which is right at the foot of Mount Sinai. And God's ready now to talk to his people, to basically come and present himself to them. So what does he tell Moses? He says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings mm -hmm. and I brought you to myself. Amen. The whole purpose revealed right there. We've seen a lot of other ways of putting it. Uh, you know, coming out of bondage, you know, redemption, making you my holy nation. We've got a promise still to come of the promised land and all of that. But the true purpose was to bring you out to worship so that I could bring you to myself. This is about a relationship. Nothing more. Now then, if you will indeed, indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, then you should be my own possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So again, God brought you out of bondage to bring you to himself. So you ask the question, yeah, missed all that. so you ask the question, what does this have to do with my New Testament scripture? Now, I've shown you a bunch of stuff that's happening in the Old Testament. I've told you about Egyptians and the Israelites and, you know, and walking through the wilderness and all of these things. Well, we sang about it earlier. We sang Egypt, the song Egypt. You brought me out of Egypt. Why? Because we talk about things in types and shadows, right? You understand there are things that in the Bible, um, you know, we talked about how the Old Testament is a New Testament concealed. There's types and shadows that give us an indication of things in the Old Testament that are projections of things to come. So when we look at this situation, Israel coming out of Egypt is a type of us coming out of Satan's kingdom. Being saved, right. Right, it's a type of being saved, right? Pharaoh is a type for Satan, 
Moses is a type of Christ who delivers them out of the kingdom of darkness and into his kingdom. And the Israelites in this is a type of believers and Christ, right? So that this story is for us. This is so, something that we need to understand. And so let's take a look at this. You know, how do you, you know, can you prove this to me, Ben? You know, it, this is a great theory you've got going here. But let me take you to Scripture because I don't want you to believe anything I say. I want you to believe what the Word Amen. says. I'm just going to try to point you to what the Word says. So what do we see in, per, in Colossians 1.13? For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. In 1 Peter 3.18... For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous and for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. There it is right there, to bring you to God. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Acts 26, 18, this is when Paul's, or Saul at the time, is on his road to Damascus, and, and, and uh, Christ blinds him, knocks him down, kicks him in the dirt a little bit, no. gets his attention, <laughs> and then he gives him this instruction, and he's like, I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified uh, by faith in me. So we're seeing here the New Testament scripture is proving for us that this is a type and shadow of what we're seeing happening with the Israelites in Egypt. So our New Testament scriptures are confirming what we read in the Old Testament, right? Everybody sees that? Okay. So God saved us, why? To know him, to be in relationship with him to worship him, right? To recognize who he is. That's the goal. It's, it's not just to be blessed. It's to restore what Adam lost in the garden. It's, it's to walk with him by the cool of the day. It's not just some religion or some ritualistic practice that we do in the morning before we go to work and think about work all day. Like, we want to take him with us, right? We want to live in the spirit. We don't want to just visit there, <laughs> right? So um, it's not just a place. You know, we say we're seated in heavenly places in Christ. It's not just a place. It's a person. We're being brought to him, our creator, the one who made you, who created you. So let's return to Exodus 19, 5 through 6, it says, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments. All right, so that's an if. If, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, then, there's a then there, all right, then you shall be my own possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Right? That's it. That's the piece. And then if you go down on to 10, it says, The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments. Be sure that they are ready on the third day. So let's unpack this. All right. Number one, 
he says to be ready. That's a great study. If you're looking for something to dig in the word about, <laughs> just look at the word ready, be ready, and just do a study on that. It'll blow your mind. I've done it for a while. It's really good. So look at that one. Number two, we see a condition, those if-then statements. It's, it's if you obey, if you keep my commandments, right? So let's talk about about what happens there, what he tells them to do, what is our responsibility. And he says to go to the people and consecrate them and have them wash their garments. So there are two things. All right, so what does consecrate mean? Is anybody really like super smart here? (laughs) Anybody know what consecrate means? Come on. To cleanse, okay, to be dedicated, all right? So to dedicate yourself. It's not this like partial kind of like, I'm in, I'm sort of like a Christian, you know, it's like I'm all in, mm-hmm. you know, it's wholehearted. wholehearted, it's not this partial, I go to church on Sunday, and then I go live like the world the rest of the week, right, it's all in, and so um, wholehearted commitment, not taking things lightly, not taking what Christ did for us lightly, if you need to like a little help there, we just should just think on what he did for us. Right? I mean, he did so much for us. Okay. So number two, it says, wash your garments. And um, Ben found this amazing scripture in Revelation I had never seen before. But do you know, actually, New Testament scripture in Revelation 22, it talks about that same thing. And he says, blessed are those who wash their robes, and they are permitted to enter. So he's talking about the new heaven, new earth, the end, very end of the Bible. And he's saying, blessed are those who wash their robes. So that's probably a whole nother study for another day. But there you have it. (laughs) Awesome. So obey my voice, keep my covenant, consecrate and wash. Um, Now I'm starting to pick up, okay, what is my role? I got stuff to do here. I've been watching all along. What, what, what am I supposed to do in all of this? So God is telling the Israelites, this is what, what is going on. This is what I expect of you. And to consecrate is actually a dedication. That's an action on your part. It takes cooperation yeah. for you to do that. You have to want to do that. That is a will and desire to do that. The washing part is the action or the mechanism that does that. So what are we, what are we trying to do? What is, what is he saying here? In order to complete this promise, we see our first requirement. We need to cooperate with God. He's basically saying, I brought you out of Egypt. Now I want you to get Egypt out of you. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. I do have a part to play in here. And again, let's type in the shadow of salvation. I took you out of Satan's kingdom and I brought you into God's kingdom. The parallel would be now I have to get Satan's kingdom out of me. Hmm. That's actually a part to play. Now we're on to something. Now we have a role and a responsibility. Don't get off the table yet. I'm not done with the surgery. Let me stitch you back up again. I, got, I, I have some good points and some, some encouraging words, um, but we got to go a little deeper in to try to get the infection out. And again, I'm preaching to me. Yeah, right? for sure. <laughs> you right. guys are along for the ride. Right. Okay, so let's have a look at Exodus 32. I must be talking too much, John, because this thing keeps going off on me. All right, so we looked at this last week. We looked at a lot of things last week. Brett, you set this up for me perfectly. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, we talked about <laughs> holiness last week, and uh, 
and, and that was a spectacular lead-in. We also talked about Aaron. So let's talk about Aaron again. Exodus 32, 4 through 5. He took from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And he said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar for it. And Aaron made a proclamation, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So we look at that and we're like, oh, Aaron, 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 how could you be so dumb? How could you be so dumb from our perspective? What was Aaron's perspective? Did, God, did Aaron know God at that point? Come on. Did he know him? Had he had an encounter with him? Had he had an encounter? Did, had he spent time with him? He Moses had. Moses has been up, had been up to the mountain, but Aaron was still back playing church at the tents. He didn't go. He did not have a revelation of who God is. So what did he do? He conformed to what he knew. Yeah. He had spent his 85 years or so of his life had been spent in Egypt. What did they do in Egypt? They built, you know, they, they made golden statues or idols and they worshipped them. Right. All he was doing was conforming what to what he knew. He had no other perspective. So we look at it and we're like, oh, poor Aaron, how would you do that? What do we do? Well, I'll tell you, I grew uh, up in the, as a heathen. <laughs> so I, had, I have a lot of scrubbing to do. So yeah, for sure. So Aaron hadn't spent time in the presence of God like Moses had. Um, and so he just simply conformed to the norms of Egypt. Um, you know, we see the word conform to the world. It's also sometimes translated to age or the time, time frame. Um, so he was just doing what he knew. He was acting on his carnal nature, but he was unable to comprehend God's will for that. So, how do we do that? How do we know that? Well, this hopefully gives you a little better perspective of Romans 12, too, which is one of my favorite scriptures of all, so much so that I created my email address. It's called renewed1 at gmail.com. And why did I do that? Because I'm dense sometimes. I need to be reminded of it every time. And so I took a page out of, uh, of God's playbook where he told Abram, I'm going to call you now, your name is now Abraham, which means father of many nations. And so Abram had to go up and introduce himself to people as, hi, I'm the father of many nations, I'm the father of many nations, I'm the father of many nations. And they're all like, dude, your name is Abram and you've got no kids. <laughs> right? How is it that it is? Or Jacob with his, the sticks and the, the stripes on it. You know, I, I changed my, my email address so I had to tell people that. Because people would ask, well, wh what's that for? Well, let me tell you what that's for. This refers back to Romans 12, too. What does Romans 12, too say? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Did what Aaron did, what Aaron did was that acceptable to God? It was sure far from perfect. Was it even acceptable? No. Why? Because he hadn't transformed his mind. He was conforming to the world. How often do we do that? So conform basically means to model, to shape, to pattern after the customs of the world. So is anybody so? Come on, I mean, just a few of us, right? There's, yeah, do you actually know what needle and thread is? Okay, <laughs> so when you pattern something, 
My grandma used to take these dresses and she would get newspaper and cut a pattern so she could then reproduce it, right? So um, if you think of us being a pattern and being after, do we want to pattern after the world or do we want to look like the Lord, right? Does that make sense? Transform means to talk different, to act different, to be radically different, right? To change our natural disposition, to be full of God, to be full of that God-like substance that uh, is going to result in us just doing his will naturally. It's not something we have to strive to be a good Christian, right? We just are, right? And so um, I want to take a look at the 12 spies, if you'll just just take a little break from Exodus, and I want to go over to the 12 spies. Let's go to Numbers 13. So you know that they're about to enter the promised land, right? And there are these 12 spies, and 10 of them give a bad report, and two give a good report. Okay, so this kind of troubled me for years, right? Like, I want to give a good report. I'm going to make my lips say the right thing at the (laughs) right time. I'm going to think better, and I'm going to be a better Christian, and I worked really hard at it, and I failed miserably all the time. Okay, so let's take a look at this, because there's some secrets in here I want to share. So let's start in Numbers 13, 27. So this is when they come back, and it says, This was the report they gave to Moses. We entered the land you sent sent us to explore. And it is a land, indeed, bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit that it produces. And they show these great big grapes, you know, or whatever they had, right? But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. And we even saw giants, and there were descendants of... What is that? Anik. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, that's how they're, they, they are seeing things, right? Their perspective, right? When we're talking about being transformed, it means what is your perspective? Their perspective here was there's no way. We can't do this. We don't, we got, we don't, we don't have this, right? I don't know what you're thinking, but we, we, we're going to lose big time. Have you seen how big those dudes are? There's no way. So this is like, what were you saying? It was like a football team. Oh, it's like an elementary school football team going against an NFL team in right? the Super Bowl. Right, it's, so. It's, that, that's the perspective that they had. That's the perspective that they had. But Caleb tried, so we take it down to 30. Um, it says, but pa- Caleb tried to quiet the people. And as he stood before Moses, he said, let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Why could he say that? How did he have the faith to say that? How did he natu- How was that the natural response when he saw the same thing everybody else saw? But how was that his natural response? And if you go to 31, it says, but the other men who were exploring the land disagreed with him. We can't go against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report among the land of the Israelites. So then it was like an infection that just kind of like took off, right? But then if you go back over to 14.6, a couple of pieces down there, it says, Two of the men who explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of whoever that is, (laughs) tore their clothing and they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. 
And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. Okay, and he goes on the land flowing with milk and honey. So this really troubled me for years. Like, how does he do this, right? Um, and, and whose mind was, they were renewed so that they saw this perspective. But why? So let's look at it. it I'll just give you the scriptures. You can look it up on your own for time's sake. Is Exodus 33.11 talks about Joshua. And do you know that Joshua... When he would return from the camp, or, or when Moses, you know, they would go to the tent of meetings and they would sit there in the presence of the Lord, mm-hmm. and Moses, you know, they would be there in the presence. Then Moses had to go back to the people. So he'd go and he'd get a word and he'd go back to the people. Do you know what Joshua did? He stayed. He would stay at the tent of the meeting. He would stay in his presence. He couldn't, he longed to be in his presence. That's why, is he had a deposit on the inside of him. He couldn't wait to just stay. And so he had this unnatural confidence in the Lord because he knew him. He trusted him, right? It's not like he had a, a, a pocket Old Testament, you know, like, that he could oh, whip well, out and go, this is what says. God said. This is what. <laughs> or he was the most courageous guy, or he was the biggest dude, you know. So what's liberating about that is it, it, he didn't have a lot of teaching. Yeah. He didn't have a lot of study. Come on. He had the presence. Amen. The yeah. presence changes everything. Everything. When you walk into the room, yes. everything changes. Everything changes. Changes. Bingo. And, you can go. <laughs> and then also look at Caleb. You can look this up on your own too. Numbers 14.24 if you want to write it down. It basically says that Caleb was a man with a different spirit. That's one just to kind of let it mm-hmm. sink in, right? So we can see also in the New Testament though, Jesus rebuking his disciples because they didn't have a right perspective. All right? So in the New Testament, we see in Mark 4, 35, it says, On that day, when evening came, he said to them, Let's go to the other side. So what was the instruction? Let's go to the other side. And yet Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on a cushion, not too worried, right? And what happens? You guys know this story. A storm blows in, right? And they awoke and said to him, Teacher! Don't you care that we're going to perish? <laughs> Who's done that? Anybody do that this week? Don't you care I'm going to perish? <laughs> and he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Don't you know me yet? How long do I have to spend with you so you know if I said we're going to the other side, then I mean... We're going going to the the other other side. Why do we doubt? What has God told you that you're not believing? Mm -hmm. What has he said about Bernie that we're not believing? (laughs) Right? His promises are yes and amen. And he's enough. He's all sufficient. Okay, one more. Sorry. James 1, 6 through 8 says, But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Where is your faith? What are you trusting? 
Don't waver for a person with divided loyalty, right? Not wholehearted, divided, partial. Divided loyalty is unsettled as the wave of the sea and is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. The Lord, their loyalty is divided. Come on, if we're honest, if we're honest with ourselves, this is how we're going to see God. This is how the holiness comes. We've got to have some honesty. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Just tossed back and forth, back and forth, right? Are you going to have a moment where you're in prayer, and one minute you're Caleb and Joshua, and the next minute you're Aaron? Have you been around people to say, God, if it be your will, then do this? He's called you to a relationship. He's called you into the wilderness to worship him, to know him, to know his will. He's called you to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed in the room of mind. So you'll know his will so that you can pray prayers of faith that aren't divided with right. loyalty between the world. And it, this is the important aspect of it. It doesn't take work. It doesn't take work. It's yeah. not about study and all the time. It's about a relationship yeah. and understanding a perspective that is one that is in line with God, and it unlocks all of these things. It's amazing. So let's go back to our original scripture. I'm going to try to bring this plane we can down. Do it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring this plane down. Oh my gosh. All right. What agreement? Da, 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 da. Let me skip down to I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Amazing. We've got four incredible promises in that. We've taken a trip back into the Old Testament. We've looked at where God said this originally. We've seen how that applies to the Israelites and coming out of Egypt. I've attempted to try to bring that into the New Testament and to show how that applies to us in this. But our promises is I will dwell and walk among them. It has to do with the proximity. Is he far away? No. Do I have to send Moses to the mountaintop to talk to him? No. He's right here. I have access to him. I have availability to him. The second promise, I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is a covenant relationship, like I have a covenant relationship. The covenant relationship allows me to fully know and understand. The covenant relationship with God allows me to get tangled up in the cords with, um, I'm abiding in the vine. Praise the Lord. allows me to spend the time and the availability and the access and I have a covenant relationship that is based on getting to know one another more deeply. The other promise, I will welcome you. Where do we see welcomeness associated with cleaning? We see that in the Holy of Holies. Right? The veil that was torn provided access to us. 
Yes. Old Testament, they had to cleanse themselves. They had to wash their hands and the labor and, right. and do all of those things. And, you know, they were trying to become, you know, or, or cleanse themselves from becoming unclean because they touched something that's unclean. They had to go through those motions. The, the high priest had to have a bell. Mm-hmm. on his garment in case he went into <laughs> the Holy of Holies to the Ark of the Covenant and fell out dead because he hadn't properly sanctified himself or set himself aside, restored his holiness. They had a little, I think they had a rope around his leg so yeah. they could drag his body out so it didn't they start didn't to smell it. before they could get someone else to go in there and get him out. The veil was torn. Do we understand what that means? Yeah, That on. means we have access to that. We have access to that in worship. And so there's a part to be played, though. The holiness is still a requirement. It is absolutely a requirement. Where am I on my notes? And the last one, I'll be a father to you. This talks about a family with inheritance. He calls us sons and daughters, co-inheritors with his only begotten son. Wow. We realize who we are in our inheritance, hmm. in our family. did not get this scripture on here for That's some okay. reason. But 2 Corinthians 7, 1. It's the next scripture right after these promises. It says, therefore, having these promises, beloved. Why do we have a therefore? Because we need to see why the, it's, it's there for. <laughs> right? So, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Dumb, <laughs> dumb joke. I'm a computer guy, so I'm all into if-then-else statements and other things like that. I'm, I'm very logical. She's very prophetic. We are... A perfect <laughs> combination. Um, you know, uh, this is why you need to be equally yoked, right? <laughs> you know, God, this is an aside, but this is important. Aww. So, the first negative thing God has to say in the entire Bible, first negative thing God says, it's not good for man to be alone, <laughs> right? He knows that we're cavemen, that we do stupid things on our own. We need reasons to do the right thing. And He says, I'll create for you. A suitable helpmate. It doesn't mean a helper, like a minion or something stupid like that. <laughs> it means something that actually completes you. You study it out. It's something that completes you. It's something that was missing from you. It is fully complementary in its nature. So you need Amen. a suitable helpmate to help you <laughs> unpack <laughs> your life. You know, and it's out of that loving relationship that you do things like clean the kitchen right before your wife comes home because you know that that is pleasing to her. That's based out of a relationship. That's based out of knowledge of what is good and pleasing in her eyes in that relationship. We can tie that to some of these other ones if you want. Okay, sorry, where am I? So basically, um, the instruction is the same in the New Testament as it was with the Israelites. He tells us to cleanse ourselves. God has delivered you from the world, from Satan's kingdom. Now you need to get the world out of you. But how are you going to do that? The good news is that we don't have to do that in our own effort. Holiness is required by God, but he gave you the Holy Spirit to help you in this responsibility, to cleanse the filth of the world. So we see that obedience in 2 Corinthians 6, 7, where it says, come out and be separated. This is not about a set of rules, right? or laws, but it's a loving response. Like you were saying, it's a relationship. So you do things just because it's a relationship. The loving response becomes easy 
because you have this deep relationship and you just don't want to be away from him, right? You just want to be with him. And so, and we see this in John 14. It says, if you love me, you obey my commandments. You see it in John 15, 4. It says, abide in me and I'll abide in you, right? There's that abiding. But it's a loving response to an intimate relationship uh, with Christ and keeping his commandments. So the greater relation, the relationship is, the easier it comes. It just comes naturally. Okay. Okay. So we see in that 2 Corinthians 7-1 scripture, it puts an onus on us. You know, like Angela said, we, we have to cleanse ourselves. We need to perfect holiness in the fear of God. So we got to ask ourselves, is God serious about this? And so I want us to take a look at one of these kind of, I call them scary scriptures, right? They're, they're a little bit scary, but we're, again, this is where I don't want you to get off the table because I'm going to sew you back up. Quickly. Um, so get, uh, get on top. Let's look at, s- at Matthew seven twenty. It says, so then you'll know them by their fruits. Okay, how will you know them? You'll know them by their fruit, right? Fruit of the Spirit we're talking about. Love, patience, kindness. Galatians has a nice laundry list of things that are fruit of the Spirit. It also has a laundry list of things that aren't fruit yeah. of the Spirit, that are fruit of the world or the flesh. Mm-hmm. It talks about lawlessness and other things, okay? So we're, we're setting up this. You'll know them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Whoa. We've got spiritual gifts operating here. These are gifts on the believer. We've just gone through a whole series on, on those spiritual gifts and how they're for the edification of the church and for their, uh, to help with God's plan of reconciliation. But we're seeing here a situation where that's not what he's looking for. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out many demons? Okay, it didn't on here. Um, and then I will declare to them verse 23, yeah. in verse 23, Depart, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. So we start with fruit and we end with lawlessness. And so we see we have a role to play. This refers to this cleansing process, Right? This refers to this sanctification process that has to go on. Without holiness, no man will see God. This is a serious thing. This is one of those serious scriptures, right? We shouldn't be afraid of it, but we need to understand it, right? You who practice lawlessness, those are the ones that have failed to take advantage of the opportunity to get to know him, to renew their mind. They received that salvation on day one, like I was describing, and then they continue to live like the world. And this isn't, they're, they're actually practicing, you know, bad things to try to get better at them. It just means that they're continuing to walk in their flesh. That's all they've done, is they've continued to walk in their flesh and pretend they're baby Christians and they never decided to try to grow up. But it says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of this flesh. Right? right? right. And it's not something that we have to do 
or strive at because if you think about Galatians 3.3, it says, oh, you foolish Galatians, what you've started in the spirit, why are you now trying to work it out in your own flesh, right? So let's look at Titus. We're going to jump ahead here, trying to land this plane. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we're coming in. We're coming in hot. Come on, honey. <laughs> so let's look at Titus 3.3. 3. For we were once, for for we also were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our mm -hmm. Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us not on the basis of deeds of which we had done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. There's two parts there, washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Right. We also see um, in other places like in the NLT, um, uh, it says, for that by one offering he forever made perfect those who were being made holy. So it's translated sanctified, it's translated holy there. Um, so we see here that the work is already complete, right? It's salvation, you received everything you need. The grace that you received was enough for justification, and then it was a seed planted in you to help you with this washing process. So if I go back to the commands consecrate and wash all I have to do now is be willing to participate Amen. <laughs> right yeah this is an amazing promise you have everything you need to walk this out you just need to ask for it right why are we told to boldly approach the throne room of grace if I got all I needed right at you know if I got my get out of hell free card at salvation why do I need to continually approach boldly the throne room of grace why? This is the key. It unlocks it. This is what was planted on you and in, inside of you at that moment gives you everything you need. To okay. walk it out. So just real quick is that the, um, the word's going to do that washing, right? We read the word. We have to agree with the word. We have to obey the word, right? But it's more than just that. It's also his empowering presence. So I'll give you two scriptures. You can look them up on your own. John 17, 17 says we're sanctified by the truth. And that, uh, Bertie, I know that you, you kind of spoke on that just recently, really impact that for us. And then James 2.26, it just says that for uh, just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without work is dead. The evidence I have grace is a lifestyle to prove it. Because I have God's empowering presence in me that causes me to work out this life. So basically, the word does the washing, but it's his empowering presence. When we go into his presence, he, he deposits himself inside of us. So we have all we need when we accept Christ in a seed form to become what we already are. If you think about that, we already are. We just have to become what we already are. So our job is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. That's right. 
So grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, seeing as divine power is granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who's called us uh, his own glory and excellence. You know, for the, by these he's granted us his precious and magnificent promises so that they may become partakers in his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Pursuing peace with all men, sanctification, uh, and, and the sanctification without no one will see the Lord. And see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no bitterness or springing up causes trouble by which it may be defiled. So the point of all of this is his grace is sufficient, mm-hmm. right? This is the punchline, and this is what I want you to take away from all of yeah. this. What we understood from all of this is be encouraged. Why? Let's go back to my original question. Why? Why, 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 why? Why was a relationship? Yeah. It was to worship him. How do I worship him? By understanding who he is. And by understanding who he is, then I'm able to transform my mind to a perspective that is one with his. It's my ability to put in, I've called them, I can't even find them, my God-colored glasses. You know, people say, oh, you've got rose-colored glasses. Everything you look at looks this way. I need God-colored glasses. I need to transform my mind so that when I look at it, I see hurt, wounding, opportunity, things that God wants me to do. That allows the Holy Spirit to rise up in me and help me achieve those things. I can't sanctify myself. I couldn't save myself to begin with because I couldn't do those acts and deeds on my own. We saw that. Grace alone allowed me to do that. Grace is also the substance that empowers me to continue to walk that out, to receive that holiness. Where does that come from? It comes from spending time. This is such a liberating thing. It's so amazing that we have absolutely everything that we need. We just have to understand our place in it. We have to understand the why. Why do I want to do this? Because I want to pursue that relationship. Out of that relationship, it allows me to not bang the steering wheel and say, you know, a string of profanities at the guy that cut me off on I-10 on the way into work in the morning. It allows me to just go, gosh, I hope you get there safely. You know, Lord, be with that guy. He's obviously got something going on in his life. You know, he really needs to get to where he needs to go. He's in fear. God, give him peace. And protect everybody else around him and, you know, let him get safely to his destination. That change doesn't come on your own. You can't stand in front of the mirror and go, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. You know, I can't read self-help books. I cannot get there with worldly wisdom by trying to conform to the world's perspective of what it means to be a good person. I have to see things from God's perspective. God didn't see the guy coming by and say, that's some jack wagon with a big truck, and, you know, he just wants to intimidate everybody. That's not how God saw him. Yeah. He saw them with compassion. We say, you know, Christ saw. He always looked. He saw their need first. Mm-hmm. We should need see need, compassion. need in Bernie, need in our congregation, need in our workplace, need at HEB. Anywhere we go, we need to see that need. How do we see that need? How do we do it? Do we do it by just spending time and writing down, you know, bullet points and checklists? No. Yeah. It's by abiding. Yeah. It's spending time, getting to know who he is, seeing things from his perspective. So hopefully... Guys, thank, sorry to keep you late. I really am, I apologize. 
Um, there's a lot we can unpack at another time. Um, Grace thanks is for a hanging in there. On itself, right? Preaching, you know. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Praise um, so I think um, you know just yeah. to make sure before everybody goes, you, um, yep. if you haven't made that step yeah. and come out of Egypt, yeah. and you you haven't made that decision or that commitment that says, I want to serve this king. I want to live a different life. I don't like the person I am. He has a deposit of who he made you to be, and he wants to give you that seed, and he wants you to accept him as a savior. So if everybody could just bow their heads, close their eyes. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to I wanna live for the Lord. I want to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And if it's you, is, is that you, you've made that decision, but you've never had that, that intimate relationship. Maybe, you, maybe you're in the, co- the covenant, but you've never had an intimate relationship with the Lord, and you desire that intimacy with God. You want to know him. Just raise your hand. Amen. I see this. Yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So let's pray. Father God. Yes, Lord. You are my king. You are the Lord of my life. As I stand before my brothers and sisters, Lord. There are many here that are in a covenant, but they can't trust you because they don't know you, Lord. Lord God, I ask that you reveal yourself to them in even a greater way than they ever have. It says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So Father God, we're drawing. We want to know you. Every time I get to know you, I think I have more questions than I, than I did when I started. We may start with a question, why? But Father, I end with so many more questions. I want you to deposit yourself inside me. Bless me and all of you so that your light in me can shine forth to those around me so that others can come to this saving knowledge of you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you that we have a house. We have people in this house that will come alongside you. Yeah. If you feel like you're a Caleb and a Joshua, but you're surrounded by eight other people that refuse to partner with you in faith, that's why we're here. Yeah. We're here to build Amen. each other up in faith. You've got lots of Caleb's, lots of Joshua's available to you. These are the people you need to confide in because they're the ones that are going to help you run your race. They're the, help, they're the ones that are going to stand in faith with you. And so we just thank you for that, Lord. Um, we're going to let you go, but um, you guys want to close us out? And if you need prayer, your elders will be here to, to pray with you. So just come forth and...